Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. Uh, so, uh, very, yeah, it'll be a good challenge, I guess, for you girls to see whether you can get into that team. But, I mean, I guess there's some fairly uh, settled players, I think, particularly in the A3 year group. They're quite, yeah, they're quite strong. Yeah, am I right? Um, so, okay, girls, um, a little bit outside of school. Do, do either of you play club netball? Or I... Yeah, so I play for Bournemouth as well. Okay, yeah. So I play on a Tuesdays, which is, it's fun. It definitely gets me like out of school playing with new and different people and playing against different teams, which is really nice and not just school teams. Yeah, that's that. that and, and I guess that must be really good for your skill level, is he being able to sort of play with other sorts of players and then coming back on into into kind of school environment. Yeah, definitely. Ellen, do you play any club netball or have um, you done in the past? I played county last year. Yeah, nice. Okay. Um, but I'm too old to carry on with that. So hopefully um, this year I'll try for Bath. Yeah, yeah. I netball. So, I mean, I've seen. I had. I, it's not. I have to say, it's not a sport I know that much about. But when I when I see it, it looks like a. It looks like a really good sport um, to partake in. Okay, girls. So thank you very much for joining us and and, and shedding a little bit of light uh, on under sixteen uh, uh, netball. We're gonna play a quick song, and when we get back, listeners, we're gonna get it. Get immediate reaction, uh, breaking news reaction to the first 15's cup win against Wellington. Uh, school. Thank you very much, Izzy, for joining the show. Thank you very much, Ellen, and we wish you all the best uh, with your upcoming under 16 netball season. We'll be back in about four minutes, listeners.
Welcome back, listeners. The time is 10 to 9, and we are celebrating the final hour or so of uh, Bry Radio's birthday with a bumper edition of Sports Talk. And uh, I feel like I've surpassed myself here in kind of breaking news live reaction because today saw uh, Bryanston first 15 see off uh, Wellington School um, in the second round of the first, 11, first 15 uh, cup. And I've been joined by two key players on the side, uh, Captain leader legend Ollie C and also uh, Paddy here as well who claims to be part of the leadership team of the team as well so so I'm sure I'm sure we won't doubt that Ollie Paddy welcome to the studio is this your first time on Bry Radio or have we done this before no this is the first time for me first time for Ollie first time for me first well. time for yeah. Paddy there's a first time for everything gentlemen here we go so we're going to be talking about the game for starters uh, boys um, what was the what was the build up like to the game today? Um, I think warm up was quite energetic. Boys were up for it. Um, the crowd slowly kind of built built towards the end. Um, yeah, no, it was good. It was, a, it was good energy in the group. I think yeah, good atmosphere from the start really helped us. I think uh, although first half was a bit shaky, wasn't it? Yeah, Ollie? yeah. first twenty five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Go on, it's a, you, it sounds like someone needs to shed some light on something. There. No, no, no we don't. that sound accusatory. There. No, no, it's just, it's yeah. just we we struggled to get ourselves into. The game in sort of the first yeah. half yeah. and Drakey said Mr Drake said to us um, sort of was it about after they scored their second try that we've got to kind of bounce back and response I mean yeah. we did obviously got the win in the end which is really really good yeah. yeah so so looking back sort of on the cup run so far who uh, can remind me who you played in your opening fixture it's a very convincing win against someone oh, wasn't uh, it? we played Griffin, Griffin School yeah, and yeah. that was and that was what a 50-0 or basically something like that 50-10 or something win yeah. Yeah, so similar. Wellington School big school in Somerset I believe so yeah probably quite a quite an intimidating opposition um, so, so you guys your prep was good the warm-up was good everything went well and you're saying that actually the opening the opening exchanges perhaps didn't you weren't you weren't switched on fully was it drakey's words that I triggered was, a turnaround yeah, the wise words of mr drake were kind of really helped us boys i think okay yeah. was that half time or no, did a quick water break you just 25 minutes in i'd say yeah, yeah. And what, what did he say to you guys 
Um, without anything too too specific. I'll let, I'll let Ollie. I'll yeah, let it's Ollie. kind of just disciplinary disciplinary thing. Yeah. So yeah. we conceded a ridiculous amount of penalties okay. the first twenty five minutes. Okay. Um, but I think after that, we definitely switched our heads on um, and definitely kind of realised this cup game. You know, we could be kicked out any minute. Yeah. Um, so we just got to turn up and play well. Yeah. So who 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 really stepped up then after that? After that, that sort of uh, moment, uh, I think Ollie, Ollie Rich, Ollie, Ollie R, Ollie yeah, R. yeah, that's fine. Um, he's our scrum off. He yeah. definitely, definitely stepped it up, and also Stan V, Stan V, number eight. Yeah, yeah he, okay. um, is uh, incredible work rate. Yeah, um, yeah, he definitely set the tone for us. Yeah, how did you guys find it? Were the conditions good today? Had it dried out largely by the time the game it, started, or was it still quite slippery? I mean, when I was looking through the the doors of Bramall and about. 2.30 I was like it's going to be a slippery one yeah. obviously I'm a hooker so I've got to throw yeah. the ball in the line I was yeah. like it's going to be like throwing a bar yeah. of soap yeah. but it, the, the heavens did open and it was uh, it was good it was good yeah it did drop towards the end thankfully yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think Paddy you coped in the, in the end yeah. ish ish, ish. <laughs> a few dodgy ones yeah and you boys, I mean, looking at the pitch there, it looked like in terms of your pack, you did have quite a considerable size advantage. And certainly when I came over to the game, we're definitely dominating up front. Yeah, we, we do. We Thankfully this year, we've got um, a couple of big boys here below and also some boys in our year who've kind of stepped up this term. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely got a big pack. Yeah. And then also, I guess, you know, some people stepping up in the backs, like Ollie and... Uh, was Will playing 10 today or...? No, it was Aiden. Yeah. Aiden was playing 10. Yeah. I heard George played very well before he very sadly sustained an injury. Yeah, George Lydon was good today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. George L, yeah. yeah, he was good uh, at the full-back. Um, and, and Mav, Mav played well, did he? Yeah, scored two tries. Two Just, tries. Two? One or two. One or two. He, he made some fantastic breaks. Um, and I also think... Don played well when he got yeah. into the open space and also Charlie L on the wing as well. So, I mean, it's been, let's not be around the bush, it's actually been a fantastic start of the season on paper, right? Yeah, yeah really Effectively, good. Effectively, you guys yeah. are unbeaten, right? Yeah. Five, five wins from five, isn't it? Five yeah. wins five from five, yeah. Five wins from five. And, you know, there's been some, you know, there's been some good, good tough fixtures in there as well. Beach and Cliff, for example. Wellington School are not to be <clears> underestimated. Boys, where, where do you see this, um, this sort of group of players going, going forward? for this season do you could we consider an unbeaten season I think who are going to be your toughest opposition yeah so I think our toughest ones coming up would be Dean Close next Friday yeah okay which is away in Gloucestershire okay, okay. Um, and then Canford have always been strong but this is definitely the year we can beat them yeah um, and we've, got, we've spoken as a team like we're aiming to be undefeated this season um, and it could definitely happen. Definitely yeah, happen. I mean, it's a great aim, and you can only you can only beat what's in front of you. And five out of five is a pretty good start, boys. I don't know how much work you've done, but how have you found working with new members of staff like Mr. Elric and Mr. Pope? I think uh, Mr. Elric's been fantastic yeah, because okay. he's always had that international experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's helped our pack and forwards, especially like loads. Yeah, and I know Paddy with his um, throwing. Yeah, yeah. Camp. I mean, he's. I mean, every Tuesday I go. Up to the sports centre with him and we have like a hooker throw sort of sort of clinic thing and it's been really good because I've only been playing hooker for about six months yep. and him coming in here has just been amazing like I've got my technique right yeah. and everything yeah. so yeah no Mr Elric's been brilliant Mr Pope as well yeah. for the backs as well the, the skills it's, it's just been a really good sort of intake of coaches we've had yeah well, what in terms of today Paddy did you have to make any pressure throws or was it were they largely any 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 sort of rolling malls or anything we, uh, we had a few few rolling malls yeah um, 
um, but most of them are sort of just, just, just standard. Just standard. standard I saw one. I was I was I was quite surprised. I saw one go to the back actually in the of the last line out of the game. Actually, when I went up there, someone tried. You, I think you tried to hit maybe Ollie at the back. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was only, just only a little bit <laughs> yeah. long. Mr. Morris, can I bring you in here because obviously you have seen several Bryanston first fifteens over the year years where do these this group of players rank and what, what what do you reckon is their kind of what they should be aiming for over this season um well from from my experience they, they look like a pretty decent first team actually yeah. um and especially with who, they, who they're playing this year i don't really see any reason why we can't be going unbeaten um yeah. i think for me okay a couple of little work ons for them would be their attention to detail yeah the game. So they won 30 points to 10 for those who don't know today but e- easily it could have been 50 plus um, it's just a few bits of detail then like finishing tries off passing when they ha- when they need to um, and not trying to play some hero ball but when you're 30 points to 10 up you can afford to take those That's take those right. chances yeah. but I think if you say looking back at Bryanston first teams um, I think they got sort of everything you could want in a, in a first team at the moment mm. so yeah for me I don't see any reason why they can't go all the way this season all the way this season just on that, uh, just on that, uh, uh, Paddy. Uh, in terms of uh, finishing tries, I heard you had a slightly comedic moment oh. out there today. Or yeah, the so, old ten meter line loom large. Oh, and, yeah, <laughs> it happens the whole time. But Mr. Vincent watched today and was like, "Oh, I've done that before." Yeah, yeah so it's just a sort of five meter rolling mall. Yeah, and no, it was all things five meter line. Sorry, it was, yeah. I think it was on the twenty-two. Yeah, okay. And I obviously all I see is just down there, and it's like a line. It's a try line. It's a try line, and it was it was yeah. a five meter line. Oh, shocker! Classic forwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the chance to get on the board. So, boys, I hate I hate to think about it, but obviously, like you're both in a two now. Your time as rug Bryce and rugby players won't is you know is is not that. Is, is a little bit limited, I guess. Would, do you envisage yourself both playing rugby on after school for clubs, maybe aspiring to bigger and better things on a rugby pitch? I think I'll start um, with you, Ollie. Uh, yeah. So uh, I've had chats with. Uh, so I signed up to Welsh Exiles. Yeah. Um, a couple of months ago. Yeah. And then from then on, I've had chats with the Scarlets. So Fantastic. Their facilities. Fantastic. Um, and therefore, Swansea and Cardiff University is kind yeah. of the main two I want to go to. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my my pathway for the yeah, future. That, that sounds incredibly exciting. And Paddy, would you might you play a bit of club rugby maybe yeah. after after the end of Bryanston? Bit of uni rugby. Bit, bit of uni rugby. Bit yeah. of county rugby. Fantastic. All of that. Fantastic. Well, boys, I just you know I just want to have you know one final word from each of you, like in terms of where you think this team can go. Just to reiterate it again, is it, are we are we staring down? the barrel potentially of an unbeaten season captain or or vi- or deputy <laughs> deputy vice <laughs> deputy vice yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I think we've definitely got a shot of going unbeaten this season yeah. um, but our main main sort of game I think would be Camford I think Ollie would agree yeah. I mean last year obviously I didn't. I was injured that game it was a very close game it was, yeah. it was away wasn't it and we lost of 17 I think it just got away from us in the second yeah. half um, but I think everyone's been working really hard all the boys are working really hard literally from yeah. the end of the 15 season last last year we were kind of working for this season and everyone's put so much time and effort everyone in PSP yeah. in the gym fitness yeah. like uh, the early morning sprint sessions like yeah. all the hard work we've put in sort of earlier it's all paying off now and that's all we really wanted to see yeah it is worth flagging up you know but we don't mention them enough here the sort of behind the scenes uh, sporting staff the PSP staff etc who make sure that the players are ready come match day also it's been great to see you boys actually down giving a little bit back to the club in essence coaching a bit for the under 14s is that something you'd be happy to do moving forward a bit more as well 
Yeah, so we had a, um, I think last Wednesday. Yeah, last, last Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. we, um, a couple of us came down, helped down the under 14s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and definitely, probably compared to when we were in under 14s, they'd probably have a better idea of kind of where they want to go and probably yeah. slightly better coached yeah. from when we were. Oh, yeah, big um, stadium that will tip. <laughs> Mr. Morris will be smiling away at that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, boys, I, and 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 it is it is really good because it's it's just good for the it's it's good for the whole club as a whole. Right, chaps, we'll probably leave it there. Once again, a huge congratulations for thank you very uh, much for beating Wales. We don't know yet who you'll be playing next. We do. It's um, Claysmore again. Claysmore again. In the okay, cup. so yeah, in the cup. so so well. I mean, that should be should be doable, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, so we wish you all the best with that and obviously the big derby against Camford when it comes around. Is that home or away? Yeah, it's like first time in It's Ireland. home. It's Saturday, home. 5th so November. Get yeah. down Everyone all you Bryanson. We, we need a big, strong, supportive atmosphere down there. So we're going to move now from some first 15 rugby to hearing a real Bryanston rugby legend reflect on both uh, his time as a pupil here and now subsequently subsequently as a coach of the all-important second 15 who provides such a good supporting block um, for, for the first 15. It is, of course, uh, Bry Radio legend Mr Vincent who I caught up with a few days ago. So I'm absolutely delighted to have been joined by uh, Mr Vincent uh, who not only is coming up for his 20th season um, as a rugby coach here at Bryanston but also uh, himself is an OB um, and we might be delving into that a little bit more uh, on the rugby front. Mr Vincent, welcome to the show. Hi, good evening, how are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, many of us, our listeners will know your voice from uh, other such shows. I believe you can have a quick plug if you want. You have a weekly... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, well, it, it was bi-weekly, but I've moved to a Thursday morning breakfast, uh, mainly because nobody else really seems to want to do that slot because it's just before house meeting. It's got a nice alliterative name, hasn't it? Vincent's... Oh, Vincent's Vault of Various. Vincent's yeah, that's Vault what we went Various. with for a while. Fantastic, awesome. yeah. But okay, so when, and so music's one of your likes. We're actually going to be talking about another of your passions yeah. today, which is um, rugby. And obviously, yeah. as I, I laid out there, you've got quite a rich, uh, a rich backstory in terms of your role in Bryanston rugby. First of all, talk to me about your time here as a schoolboy and the role rugby played in your Bryanston career here. As a yeah, schoolboy. rugby was really, int- uh, really sort of crucial to me. It's one of the main reasons why I came here. Uh, my older brother went to Winchester. Um, and, well, the other reason was that although I got kind of just into Winchester, I'm not sure I would have been in anything but the bottom set at Winchester when I went. But actually, uh, so leaving that aside, one of the crucial things was they didn't play rugby yeah. at Winchester. and they Well, they do now, actually. Um, it's football but, uh, school, isn't it? It's, it's football and something called Winchester College Football, which is a sort of bit like the Eaton Wall game, anything. Yeah. So, yeah, rugby was really important. Um, played my way up through the school um, and then in my uh, lower sixth I played I think four times maybe uh, something for for the first 15 that was a very strong side that had a guy called Phil de Glanville playing for it Um, but I played a little bit part 
in that season um, and we had a really successful season but I was mostly the seconds that year and then the upper sixth I played I think all but one um, sadly that year Phil's year had left and the year although the year below me was quite strong mine wasn't um, so in my upper sixth year I think we we we, we def- definitely didn't have a winning season let's put it like that um, so it was a little bit you know, here and there, and then, but loved rugby, and then went on to play at university, and then in the army, and then, you know, it was a crucial part of when I came into teaching, I wanted to do rugby. What position did you play? Uh, well, look like a prop now. Back in the day, I was blindside flanker, so I, I loved number six. Yeah. Um, never quick enough as a seven. Yeah. Um, but six is quite, you get to grab hold of scrum halves and do the, do the dirty, the yeah, dirty dance work. the hornpipe on their heads. <laughs> or you were back in the day, back you're not allowed day. to do that anymore. Okay, so then, then you left and went to university, joined the army before coming back here in the early 2000s, yeah. right? Yeah, 2003. 2003, okay, and, and as we said, this is coming up, yeah, coming up for your 20th season. So over the years, what, which rugby teams have you taken at Bryanston? I imagine you've done the full. Uh, yeah, full I, range, I did about the first <laughs> five or six years here doing the under-15As. Yeah. Um, and then I did uh, a little bit of the under 16 A's um, and then I did uh, several years with Dr. Bakra uh, the two of us sort of teamed up on the 14 A's yeah. which I have to say was, was vastly enjoyable I always loved doing the, uh, the 14's yeah. um, did that for a few years and uh, now I'm with game one so uh, I I coach you know what coach help out well more qualified people than me coach and then um i stand on the sideline with the second team which is a great privilege on on a saturday or a thursday and we're going to go and focus in on that i just want to get one and the answer to one maybe slightly difficult question in these of all the superstar rugby players that have been through Bryanston in the 20 years that you've worked here who's been the one for you that has stood out the most in your 20 years here a player you've worked with in terms of well well I, I mean the greatest I, of the great of, <laughs> the person who's probably gone the furthest other than Phil but he was when I was at, at yes. school obviously and he was the year above me and he captained yeah. England um, I tutored Charlie Ewells for the two years yeah. he was here and he went on he was a phenomenal player but I have to say, I think probably the player I've seen here who was the biggest um, game changer, I'll, I'll do three if I may. Okay. One was Henry Pergos, who was the uh, the son of the old head of rugby. Yeah. A great fly, uh, great scrum half, sorry, um, went on to play for Scotland, um, but really, really skillful. Um, and uh, there was another guy called... Uh, I'm going I'm to get in trouble if I miss people out. Um, another guy, Rory Jennings, yeah. very, very good player. Him and Max Clark as a team. But actually, I think the biggest game-changing player I ever saw at schoolboy level was a boy called Ben Williams. Okay. Who, sad, well, sadly, he left school before his A-levels. He went to take up a personal uh, uh, contract with Bath. But he was, particularly at under-15, under-16 level, he was absolutely lethally quick and big and strong and just if you had him on your team we actually he was in the side that I took with Henry Pergos um, uh, to Rosalind Park and sadly he got concussed so when we met Sedba uh, which contained within one, it Mr one, George Drake, George Drake uh, aged 16 yeah. uh, Ben wasn't playing for us and George said they'd been the Sedper team had been absolutely cacking themselves yeah. all day yeah. thinking we've got to play that big blonde boy yeah. 
and then he wasn't in our side. Yeah. And sadly, having knocked out Wellington College, yeah. uh, we were then eliminated by Sedba. So that was a sad day. But I, there we I've, go. I've got to zoom in on this for our <coughs> listeners a little bit. What was a, tell, Give us a little bit of a colour on what a 16-year-old George Drake was like right. on a pitch. Um, I think even, I mean, I can't remember him personally from then because I didn't know who he was. They were just a very skillful team all round. Um, but I have to say, when George came back here to, uh, first of all, rugby coach and then teach and things, I, I think one would be pushed, and he can own me something for this, to find a more naturally talented uh rugby player but you know distributor fly half feet yeah uh, hands just you know it makes you feel quite yeah jealous and ill that somebody can have such effortless skill um but he does yeah i remember i I played a game of touch rugby with him last year i think it was the first time he played any kind of remotely game based rugby thing i remember him picking out a winger from the middle of the pitch for a pass basically and that was he just makes people look silly makes people look very silly absolutely so mr drake you'll appreciate that shout out okay so moving on and focusing in on this season then so game one what's give us a little bit of intel on on how that's shaping up in terms of the senior squads in general um okay yeah i mean mr drake was only talking to the to the boys earlier today in the monday training session and saying that that actually the vibe in 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 game one at the moment is really really good and really really positive um and the first 15 have had a, a great season so far they've got a cup match on Wednesday um, so you know that's that's good luck to them um, but what's particularly pleasing is actually the depth the strength and depth of the players because at full strength we have a really also and I think we need to put a shout out to these boys um, a really really strong skillful uh, second team yeah um, ably cap, uh, captained by Will A and uh, George D both yeah. in Shaftesbury both Shaftesbury boys um, but there's some there's some great A3s in there. There's some really good A2s, uh, and nobody really has been able to to live with them yet this season. I'm not tempt. Hope I'm not tempting fate. Um, but you know we were expecting a really close match against a massive beach and cliff side. Yeah. And those of you in any team against Beecham will have seen that their boys clearly spend quite a lot of time in the tuck shop at Beecham. Um, uh, so there's some big human beings there. Uh, but actually our seconds were were incredible and ran out uh, four tries to two winners. Um, so I think, yeah, the second team, as well as the first team who've been great, deserve a, a shout for a really good season. And, and am, I, am I right alongside that they've sort of flattened downside and Sherbans? Well, it was Sherbans third. Yeah, I mean, Sherbourne's a much bigger school with more boys. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, actually, I'm sad we don't have a block against Sherbourne because I'd, yeah. I'd be pretty confident yeah. of our boys going up against the Sherbourne twos, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, downside, Sherbourne twos, Beach and Cliff so far. Um, and we're playing, again, if any of you are around on Saturday afternoon, the seconds uh, are playing on the first team pitch against the Warminster firsts. Yeah. So having played down against Sherbourne, we're actually playing up against uh, Warminster. Um, and if any of you don't have a match on that, they come and give the, the boys your support. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Vincent. Um, we might leave it there, actually. Thank yeah. you so much for, no for joining me this evening and just talking rugby in general. I agree with you thoroughly in, you know, the role of the second team and the B teams going down the school to support those A teams and also just provide 
uh, an outlet for as many people as possible to play competitive rugby. And, you know, it's great to see them have such success on the field um, and also provide, you know, a great feeder for the first team. Thank you very much for sharing no your worries. views Thanks on all things Bryanston Rugby, Mr Vincent. Cheers. So a really fascinating interview there with Mr. Vincent about all things Bryanston rugby over the last uh, two decades, really. We're just going to round off our rugby chat just by reflecting or or looking forward to some fixtures that are happening um, this week. So... Um, one, you know, result of Bryanston being so competitive at the start of this year is that, you know, we are having to adapt and make sure we are having competitive games for the boys. Um, uh, and that is seeing this week us field some mixed teams against different opposition. Um, so, and Hugh can provide us with some intel about how this is taking shape at under 16 level. So, so what, what would, what should fans of under 16 Bryanston rugby be looking out for this week, Hugh? Uh, well, we got a, um, match against Gillingham coming up uh, um, on tomorrow actually um, which I'm not personally playing in but it's a bit of a mix of the A squad the B squad there's quite a a few B's players but then filtered about in different positions you've um, such as George who plays 15 for the A's he's moved into 10 you've got a back line uh, which has three or four uh, 18 players the bench is pretty much stacked of 18 players to play Gillingham and then there's a few people in the pack who've moved around to um, facilitate the B players. So you've got, I guess, a few a few finishers just in case it gets a little bit close. But, yeah. I mean, obviously the, 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 there is genuine reason behind this, and I, I might talk with Mr Morris about this in a second, in that, you know, we now, when we're, when we're thinking about rugby, we are thinking about having fair competition, making sure it's, it's a fair game um, for both teams. Mr Morris, so we're in a similar boat, right, in the, in the under-14s. We've got two fixtures this week uh, where we're doing something similar to that. Am I right? Yeah, we are. Um, I think tomorrow will be, we're playing Gillingham as well, tomorrow will be a day of maybe mixing up positions. Um, with the under-14s, they're only obviously five weeks into their to their Bryson rugby careers and I'm sure we've made mistakes on where boys are playing at the moment and it'd be a nice opportunity to try some boys out in some completely rogue positions that they may they might not see themselves in at the moment, but maybe down the line that is going to be where they end up playing and it'd be a really interesting experiment to see how they go in those positions. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you, I, I mean, reflecting back on the netball chat we had, I think it happens a lot in kind of girls' sports where they sort of rotate around positions a little bit. In rugby, we can maybe be a little bit rigid and say, well, you know, what is to, what is to stop, say, someone like, I don't know, Alfie have a go at playing in the forwards maybe or whatever or or using an example from our 14s perhaps. Um, what, what's your view in general on this on 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 you know making sure we got fair competition in the season? Um, I think I, I, I think morally I completely agree with it. Yeah. Um, I think we have to look wider than just ourselves and yeah. this sort of thing. So the fixtures that we some of the fixtures we are playing are against traditionally smaller and weaker schools, and we have to make it meaningful for both for their boys as well. Um, if we were just to look at it from our own perspective, okay, it'd be lovely to put our A team out every week and they and play. Get a win. Yeah, they get we get a huge win and it looks great on socks. But that's not what we're about. I think we're about actually developing good rugby players and good rugby players in our region as well. Um, and I think our role as one of the bigger schools in the area is to help develop rugby as a game throughout the region and not just look at us. We've got these fancy players and we're going to put points on everyone. And I think even since we were at school, it's a sort of a, a slightly differing and refreshing attitude of school sport in that, yeah, obviously we want we want 
kids to enjoy their competitive sport and win games and whatnot but it's just that constant reminder that actually you know we are we are we are just one step on the pathway it's not about just showing up on saturday and winning games of rugby right it's about developing yourself in the best possible way and actually if that means if you're you know say a bath academy player maybe not turning out midweek and running rings round round a team that you know doesn't have the same pool of players yeah no, um, i would agree i think for me i think as coach of the under 14s um a big thing for myself is i would love to see all these boys still playing rugby in the sit form and beyond and whether that's in the first 15 in the thirds if they go to uni and they're a social member of the rugby club yeah um but also, if there's boys that are currently in the under 14Bs, it would mean the world to me if they get to the first team, if they get up to the senior squad and they are actually first team players, and that by making these games meaningful and giving them experiences, they actually get the chance to grow their rugby career and develop as players the whole way through the school. Absolutely. And I think on that note, we'll probably move on from rugby. Um and we've just been joined, actually, by uh, the new captain of rowing, uh, Adam S. Uh, welcome to the show, Adam. This is not your first time on this show, is it? You've done a few. I've done a few before. Yeah. So, so I guess we're sort of we're kind of in the well, we're not yet in the depths of winter, but we're heading in that direction, which I imagine means that rowing is sort of takes a little bit of a back seat at the a moment. A little bit, a little bit, a lot of land training, yeah. a lot of rowing, going on rowing machines, getting some miles in, and just a lot of fitness in general that we need to try and get back after a long nice relaxing summer yeah but am i right that there is some something competitive going on this weekend for the club yeah yeah we have um a head race uh on sun on saturday sorry uh that's at avon can you explain to our listeners because and, and to me as well embarrassing <laughs> quite again what you've done this before now what a head race is yeah so head race is going to be just time trials okay so it's three kilometers because we're doing the longer course yeah um so boats set off and then they get timed at the fastest time wins um so yeah it's quite fun but it doesn't have the same um competitive element to it if you know what i mean as when, racing when, what side, side by, by side, side. Yeah, yeah if you've got other people to push off you're going to go a lot faster, which is generally why we're a little bit slower during the head race season. And where, where? Sorry, remind me again where that is being held. That race. That race is uh, just next, like around Bristol. Around Bristol, uh, around okay. Bristol, on Avon. And is it for various schools or clubs? Yeah, so and... it's mainly um, clubs, uh, but majority there are, there are a few um, school boat clubs that I go there. But I know um, Bristol City Rowing Club and their unis, Bristol Uni, Bath Uni. They get there. We've raced them a few times before, um, but I don't think we're ha- we're racing that many boats uh, this year. Yeah. Okay. Because of the not not lack of numbers, but there aren't not as many as there were last year in yeah. the seniors. So it's a kind of we've. I so I remember speaking about this with um, former students, actually Natalia, mm-hmm. about the, this year is likely to be a Rob transition yeah. kind of building for the future. How do you see your role as captain? in that then i think my role is more encouraging people to do rowing and try and keep people who are doing rowing to like keep keep them doing it into um a3 and a2 and things like that because at the moment the b's are really where i'm expecting them to be the next flagship eight if you know what i mean yeah okay are you going to try and get a couple of seriously competitive boats out this summer yeah i'd love to i'd love to um but like like I said, I'm not I'm not too sure 
how things are going to work out with only having four seniors, one of them being a Cox. Yeah, okay. So it is it is a bit of a challenge. It is a bit of a yeah. challenge, yeah. Could you do like a two or... I mean, we could we could do some doubles. Yeah. Race, I'm racing in a double um, with Ollie. Yeah, uh, okay. boy, Ollie. Okay. Um, on Saturday. Okay. So we'll see how that goes. Although the last time I was in a boat with him, we did crash. Um, <laughs> okay. But that's fine. That's fine. We'll work on it. Um yeah, I mean, we could, but then again, there's other things that we would kind of like to focus on. But I know Jamie, he's really keen to follow his brother's footsteps and try and row for GB. Okay, wow. So, yeah. And and I guess, are you are you managing to balance sport with, you know, your academic, academics, obviously, in the final year of school, yeah. and also, you know, your sort of leadership role within the school? Mm-hmm. Are you finding it bearable, or is yeah. the gym taking a bit of a backseat, <laughs> or...? I think rowing is, I've kind of said to myself, I need to really focus on my academics this year because it's, it's quite an important year. Absolutely. Um, but rowing has kind of, uh, from doing quite a lot of GCSEs and then last year, we've kind of managed to learn how to balance our work and organise ourselves yeah. so we can still do all these competitive things as well as succeeding academically. So I think I've kind of got that organisational skill in the bank already. Yeah. Um, so it shouldn't interrupt me. Mr. Morris, I think it's something you and I have spoken about in the past, how actually, you know, sport can be quite helpful for one's time management in a way. I don't know. I've I found it anyway when I was a when I was a student, actually, you know, occasion, you know, play still playing cricket on a Saturday, for example, uh, at my school, you know, it just gave me that time off and something to completely different to the exams and whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um I'm always really biased in my role as a PE teacher. I think that um, sport is vital for anyone's mental health and well-being. Um, and I think, as our pupils, my advice would be to continue playing throughout the throughout your exams. It's, it, as Dr. Pullman says, it's a it's a lovely break from that busy exam period. And those, if it's cricket on a Saturday, if it's rowing, going to a regatta, those hours spent away from your textbooks and all your revision notes, it allows you to actually decompress. And I think you're in a better state to actually learn when you come back from sport. I presume the man, I, he doesn't have a mic in front of him, but I presume the man on our left will be continuing playing cricket during his exams. Yeah, he's nodding away. Um, so, yeah. Well, Adam, we wish you all the best with balancing all of that, all the pressures of A2. And, you know, we hope that, you know, even if it is a transition year, uh, the, the, rowing, the rowing club can get something together because right? it sounds like there, there might be an opportunity for that. And if not, you know, build on, yeah. you know, develop those younger, younger, younger rowers um, and get those glo- the glory days back again, I guess, because exactly, exactly. it's been a it's been a, a sort of a golden generation. Quite a successful year last quite, year. Exactly. Um, quite a successful year. Uh, so we're going to move from rowing to a football that doesn't quite a, a sport that doesn't quite have the same tradition at Bryanston, I guess, but is picking up pace very fast. And that is football. Um, and we actually have a new head of football this year, uh, Mr. Foster, um, who has quite a quite a serious pedigree in the coaching world. And I caught up with him uh, this afternoon. So I've been uh, joined by the uh, new head of football, Mr. Foster, uh, very kindly uh, this evening. Thank you very much for joining us, Mr. Foster. You're welcome. Welcome to Bry Radio Sports Talk. Um, so, um, Mr. Foster is our, our new head of football. He joined um, in September. I'm just going to find out a little bit more about his backstory, his motivations for joining Bryanston, and how he sees football going here. Um, so, first of all, Mr. Foster, um, tell us a bit about your footballing backstory, basically. Um, right, OK. So, I, I started coaching football when I was 15. Um, so, I've been on the pathway for about 15 years now, telling you my age. Um, they, yeah, I started the coaching pathway at 16, um, progressed 
quite quickly through that um, and recently obtained, well, I say recently, in the last four or five years or so, obtained my, my A licence. Um, I've worked um, at university. Yep. I coached a couple of teams there. I worked at Cardiff City after university, okay. coaching their women's side and wow. their futsal programme. Um, and then from there, went to Colchester United, who, who are a League Two club, um, who have a Category Two academy and been there for the last seven years, kind of working with my way up through 11s through to um, I've taken some, some of our under 23s games, done a bit of first team analysis. But my main role there was around coaching our 14s to 16s in that programme. Okay, wow. So I guess that, that segues nice into my next question. What attracted you out of that world of sort of uh, club coaching into the world of school coaching? Um, I, I think I was ready for a new challenge. Yeah. Um, I was ready to, to move on. I wanted to, I, I, I'm not one to kind of want to stand still and um, become stagnant. Um, so I wanted to, uh, a new challenge. I, I looked around. Um, my good friend, Mr. Ralphs, yeah. was working here. Yeah, um, and he said how, how great Brynston was and kind of sold it to me. Um, and yeah, kind of went through the interview process during the summer. And here I am. Yeah, am I right that it was your interview process where a certain Tony Pulis was yes. there? Yeah. Yes, he was on the panel. What, what was that like? Was yeah. that expected? Did they warn you uh, that, about no, no, that no, in they, Yeah, they, they did tell me in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they said that the panel was going to be a few people and that he was included on in it. Um, <laughs> I think he was more kind of there to make sure that um, I wasn't, you know, yeah. just, just pulling the wool over Bryson's yeah, yeah. eyes. Well, <laughs> well, judging by your pedigree, I'm sure you weren't. And, <laughs> and I'm sure, congrats, I'm sure, well, I'm sure it was a very tough field, so well done on getting the job. Thank you. I mean, what have been, I, I guess, the foot, football kind of picks up more next term, but yep. what have been your early impressions so far of the setup here? I guess you're probably working with a reduced yes, group so of boys. Yes, at the moment, the, the, the main bulk of my work has predominantly been in terms of coaching, in terms of um, with, with the under-18s, the first team, yeah. um, and the under-15s have had a few cup fixtures this term as well. Um, my first impressions is that football seems to be very popular, yeah, um, as expected, being a national sport. Yeah. Um, so I'm really kind of excited to, to see more uptake in the spring term when it really kicks off. And so I feel my role at the moment is very much about transferring my enthusiasm for football um, and making that apparent in, in my coaching sessions. Um, and I, I'd like to think that I'm challenging the boys that I've coached so far in terms of how they think about football, not just about how they play football. Um, mm. So hopefully I can I can challenge them more um, in the spring term and, and see where see where we can get to. Well, obviously we've got one eye. Uh, you must have one eye on the spring term, but things have already started. Obviously the f- we we pick football in the spring term, but the season has already begun, and you've already been playing some competitive matches. Am yep. I right? Yep. So the the the, f- the first team have had um, a few cup fixtures. Um, and the under 15s have had a few cup fixtures. A large part the, in the, in the in this term um, tends to be when a lot of the cup fixtures take place. You kind of like try and fit them in um, to certain deadlines. The under 15s actually just I've literally just come from an under 15s game now. Um, just got back where a rather good game by the yes, sounds of things. We Let's were, hear a little bit more about it. So we were away at Shaftesbury School um, in the first round of the English Schools Cup and. We were 4-1 down. We found ourselves 4-1 down at half-time rather unexpectedly, um, but managed to claw it back. And we um, finished the game at full-time 4-4, which meant that it went into extra time. Um, From there... It, the score extended to 5-5 at the wow. end of extra time which meant that it went to penalties both teams missed two penalties in, in the build up in the first five serious um, drama but it, so it went to sudden death and then we managed to secure the win with a, with a 4-3 win on penalties um, 
yeah, late on. So what a game. What, what, a, a, what a Wednesday yeah, afternoon. That, you can't ask for a better Wednesday afternoon than that. <laughs> so thank you for that, Mr Foster. I guess one question, I mean, you don't need to go into too much detail on this, but just sort of where do you see Bryanston football going under yourself? Like, what are you, what's your sort of big vision for it or some, some points about that? Well, I think we, I think we can be ambitious. Yeah. I mean, it's very much in its uh, foundation stage at the moment um, in terms of development, but we want to develop it, we want to grow, yeah. um, we want to um, be able to draw people to Bryanston um, for the football program in particular yeah. um, and then showcase that on the pitch and, and grow that on the pitch and now that's not going to be an overnight thing um, but we, we're, we're willing to, to sit it out and make it work and really could kind of try and become one of the best schools in the southwest for football in, in years to come well it sounds like a very a very sort of um, achievable and, and realistic game I mean it, the, the football made a great first impression mm. in its first proper season last year yeah. and I guess the challenge for you is to build on that Absolutely. and take it to the next level yeah 100% 100% and we'll we'll, we'll try and build on that as best as we can but what we need is that enthusiasm to be transferred again and really kind of create a lot of hype around the football programme and I'd like to think that during the coaching sessions the players feel like they're getting some sort of value um, from not only my coaching but the, the, all of the staff that are, that are present and there's that real buzz around the place to, to really promote that and encourage more people to come along Well that sounds like a very positive note to end on thank you very much for your time Mr Foster thank we you. wish you all the best with f- looking after football at Bryanston I guess Brilliant. Thank, Thank you very, very much. much. Cheers. And so welcome back to Bry Radio Sports Talk on our big birthday special edition. The time is coming up. Well, it is actually 8.30, which means that Bry Radio has been non-stop live on air for 13 and a half hours today. What a shift. And Hugh, can you give us a quick round of applause for that? Maybe not. Hey, there we go. Congratulations to all you Bry Radio legends for uh, keeping us going uh, all this time. We're now going to move into our second half of the show. We've, we've been talking, well, I was talking football with Mr. Foster there. We're now going to broaden our perspective to go from Bryanston to the world of football, I guess. And we've got two of our, our sort of newest additions to the, the uh, Sports Talk punditry team. It is, of course... Uh, the Shaftesbury duo uh, Ollie and George welcome to the show boys uh, thank you for having us again no well absolute pleasure should we start with talking about the frills of uh, last week of last weekend's uh, Premier League action boys um, we've also of course got Mr Morris so I'm sure we'll want to talk some Arsenal stuff um, eventually so uh, what do you make of some of the games George should we, should, we, should we have a chat first of all about well the big three all uh, Liverpool Brighton yeah. game what do you make of that well, two big clubs, yeah. two 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 uh, titans of the footballing world, uh, battling it out and uh, unable to separate themselves at Anfield. Might I add? But. You know, when I feel like when the, when the fixtures got released, you know, you're looking at this game, you know, easy three points. You know, we'll either be first or second in the table. Brighton somewhere around twelve, thirteen, <laughs> and then you get to ma- you get to yeah, you get to this match day, and you're like. We're sitting in eighth. Ninth. Not ninth, sorry. <laughs> I think, you know, Brighton are fifth, sixth. I'm not sure. Uh, we're fourth. Fourth, think, fourth, yeah. I'm just going to check. I'm just going to check that. Yeah, we're fourth. Fourth, place. We are currently we're four points ahead of uh, of Liverpool um, so yeah pushing for Champions League stuff yeah um, yeah when Brighton went 2-0 off I was like you know this is just that that what, must be one of your lowest moments as yeah, a I, Liverpool supporter of recent years I don't even know I don't, it was just such a shock and and then 2-2 Firmino you know you're like okay we have a chance this is you know this is good we're playing better and then 3-2 
you know, normally when we're in that position, we sort of see it out. Yeah. You know, a bit like when Man City go three to up, they don't really concede, and then we concede again. Uh, you know, you, you sort of have to see it coming. You know, I think Brighton played so well; they had so much press on us. Um, yeah. I, I think Trossard's hat trick was our yeah, first yeah, yeah, yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, we're not we're not exactly <laughs> renowned for scoring goals, um, uh, but yeah. Great stuff uh, from uh, from the Seagulls there. Um, Ollie, were Chelsea in action over the weekend? Well, I guess they were. I just Yeah, it was 2-1 against Crystal Palace. 2-1, so, um, don't mind that. First win under Potter. We're playing against Milan right now, so that would be a huge win for him. If yeah, he we, will, we will go on to some Champions League stuff. Um, but yeah, lo- left its last minute. Uh, Conor Gallagher getting the last one. Uh, 90th minute, 91st minute. So, um, so well, Chelsea have had a you know an up, not not an ideal start, obviously. No. But well, to be fair, we've changed managers and we're having a better start to the Prem than Liverpool. So <laughs> yeah, that you've is got to true. look at it in different in different areas. But we also are in risk of losing our send, uh, our right back Trent. Apparently, Liverpool are looking for a new right back. Okay, because uh, Trent's not filling the uh, quota apparently. Oh really? So <laughs> so well, yeah. I mean, Trent Trent. It, 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 it's funny, isn't it? How you know, sort of, we're very good at sort of pulling down our kind of heroes, aren't we? I mean, uh, uh, barely what half a year ago, Trent Alexander Arnold was the answer to everyone's problems, and now now he's getting some serious heat. George, what do you make of that? Look, I think I think it's harsh. I mean, yeah. you know, he's delivered so much to Liverpool. Yeah. Um, you know, the amount of assists he's got, like yeah. six seasons he's been playing in the first team. You know, he's helped us to the Premier League, Champions League. You know, we've conquered all of Europe uh, <laughs> um, yeah no I look I, I think it's harsh I think Gareth should you know he definitely should be on the plane and his free kit yesterday it just showed them yeah so I mean yeah so a big comeback win I guess uh, for uh, Liverpool yesterday how do you feel going into that game because obviously I imagine you yeah no I think it's I think it's, um, the win's massive because um, it's something that we needed you know to boost the sort of just the spirit of the team. Yeah, I think you know, I think Klopp's will try something different. You know, obviously what we what we had for the last five six games hasn't been working. Um, you know, you try something different. You know, sort of you can. I feel like you can risk it against Rangers because if yeah. I think if we try something different against Ajax or Napoli, yeah, then it would have been a lot. The risk could have been higher. Was so. that was it first leg v Rangers? Or, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean tough. I guess going to their place, yeah. but but. Yeah, at Anfield, I mean, if Liverpool are losing that. I think I saw a bizarre stat that it was actually the first time they've, they'd ever played each other competitively, really? Liverpool yeah. and Rangers. And I guess, yeah, that yeah. might make sense. And I feel like the uh, yeah, the Ibrox game will just be yeah. mad. Quite hostile, yeah, wet, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but, 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 yeah, absolutely. And we've currently got... Have we currently got your team, Brunty, in Champions League action? We yeah, against some, Milan right now. Against Milan at the moment. Yeah. Nil all, is it? No, no. Yeah. yeah, okay. So so is that at home? Uh, I think, yes, it is at home. Yes. At home, okay. So, so um, again, big, big game for, for Chelsea that under Potter, where he needs to be able to deliver in these big European matches because that's what really he's been appointed. Well, they say he's been appointed to kind of grow the squad and whatever and develop the club or whatever. But in reality... Chelsea are going to be looking for results, right? Well, he's been—he's apparently been given the first season. Even if he doesn't get Champions League football, he's still at the manager. So the thinking of this is a long-term thing. 
one thing I, I like already, he's brought in academy players and yeah. pushed them up. Um, I think Omari Hutchinson has already started training regularly with the first team okay. after only just signing from Spurs or Arsenal uh, this this summer. Chelsea just scored. Chelsea just scored. Oh, okay, yes. hot off the press, guys. Chelsea go one nil up uh, against uh, uh, um, Milan. Milan uh, after twenty nine minutes. So yeah, good start for Chelsea there. Uh, um, what about Cucurella? Is he is he being bonded with him? Is he playing okay? Because I guess for a Brighton fan, I've got to got to wonder what's going on there. My only worry is yeah. for me, Ben Chilwell is a lot better than Mark Cucurella. Okay. Um, and I think the Potter will try and keep his man in there. Yeah. But what we've seen of Ben Chilwell across this season is unbelievable performances. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you don't want you don't want. Um, do you remember uh, Sari was such a big fan of um, that Italian midfielder who? who uh, what's his name? He always plays for you. Who's quite divisive Jorginho exactly Jorginho and you know it's quite difficult when a manager clearly has a man they absolutely back right who happens to be in that same club squad Um, but yeah I mean I'm obviously a big fan of both those players being a Brighton fan Mr Morris let's bring you in you know it's a good time to be it's actually a good time to be alive as an Arsenal fan at the moment right absolutely Um, probably the best time since you moved to the Emirates I think yeah Um, so coming up to nearly a decade now well over a decade coming up to nearly 15 years at the Emirates and um, you know it's absolutely great time to be alive beat Spurs 3-1 at the weekend yeah Um, Mr Foster in the office didn't take that well Um, (laughs) I didn't know I didn't ask him about his uh, about his his actual football he's a fan Um, but no we played played some great stuff Um, it was a real polar opposite approach to the game Tottenham tried to sit in deep sort of 10 players in their own box and then try and hit on the break and Arsenal actually played some some lovely football and I think was deserved winners in the end. I like how um, Ben White started to play on the right now as well. Yeah, Just Ben White looks really good on the right. Um, actually, an old school friend of mine. Ben really, um, another yeah, another great, product great of Brighton and Hove Albion as well. Arsenal, but yeah, he's looking really good. Um, Thomas Partey put in a man of the match display. Looks probably, probably one of his best games for Arsenal. Um, and of course, the the usual trio of Saka, Jesus, and Martinelli were. As you normally are. Yeah, so I mean, Mr. Morris, I guess at Arsenal you haven't had massive personnel change, right? Many of those names are pretty familiar and have been around for a while. Do you think this is sort of the reward for sticking with Arteta, or was this always on the cards? This this um, kind of flourishing. I think I think it's probably what I wouldn't say it was always in the cards with Arteta, but I think when you give a young manager a chance, to someone who's clearly so highly rated within the game. Um, even if you go back to when he was playing, Wenger was calling him out to be the next, one of the next great coaches. And whenever, I think obviously people haven't paid a huge amount of attention to Arsenal in the last years, but when you watched Arteta, it was so clear to see what he was doing. And um, to see it come to fruition now with the additions of Gabriel Jesus, I think he's been huge for Arsenal. William Saliba at the back has been, well, he's 21 and he's potentially been the best defender in the Premier League this season and looks looks. Uh, absolute class above for someone his age and um, we just look like a proper team I think we haven't been able to say that for a long long time and people said oh so I haven't played anyone good and but now we're what eight nine games in 21 points above Man City playing arguably the best football in the league alongside Man City um, and yeah and trying not to get carried away but mm. 
I think when when you actually watch Arsenal for ninety minutes every week, you, you you do seriously get impressed with the stuff they play. And I mean, I'm going to ask you it straight out. Do you think this could be the season where you know the glory days return? And and could you win the championship? Um, I think it would have to be a serious effort to pit this Man City side to yeah. to the league with um, Erling Haaland, the robot up front. Yeah. Like, he's just an absolute freak. But. I think at the moment, if you look at it, we're clearly the second best side in the league on current form. Mm-hmm. Um, and stylistically, we we play a style that's suited to league football, where we dominate possession um, and look have high chance creation and all that kind of stuff. Whereas like teams like Spurs are probably more suited to knock out competitions than Arsenal, where they look to hit teams on the break. And I think over a 38 game season, Arsenal have got what it takes to challenge. I don't think we'll win it. But I saw a tweet the other day. It said that sort of like a giant was awake. Uh, sort of the giant was awakening, and I think people have long forgotten how big of a football club Arsenal actually are, mm. and how significant in world football they actually are. And mm. I think with a strong Arsenal back, it could be could be a really exciting season. I mean, I think one forgets because it's genuinely almost coming up to sort of let's be honest, twenty years since. Well, I mean, not quite, but fifteen years since Arsenal was seriously, seriously competitive. Boys, what do you make? I mean, you you've been football fans in an era where Arsenal have kind of been perennial sort of top six merchants you've never known them to be you know the the big club they once were what do you make of this this run from Arsenal so far this season is it gonna is it gonna fizzle out or have they got it in them I see Arsenal as probably the biggest title challengers other than Man City themselves and as a Chelsea fan I actually want Arsenal to win it over City I know it's early in the season but if it's just between those two clubs I'd want Arsenal to win it over City I think Man City are making the Premier League look like it's just an easy walk in the park yeah. for them Yeah. Um, so obviously you want an upset and you obviously you want to see an underdog Rise up. George, what do you think? Do you think Arsenal have got it in them to go the whole way, um, or at least challenge City yeah, to the no, end, or is it no, going to? Yeah, I think I think they will challenge them. Look, I think they'll continue this run until Christmas, and then obviously the World Cup, and after that, I feel like not just Arsenal, but other teams start to slow down a bit, mm. you know, and then they start to pick up the pace again towards the summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, no, guess, I think I think it'll be close. I guess that's an interesting point. Do Arsenal, I don't, I genuinely don't know the answer to this, so I'd, I'd appreciate an unbiased opinion on it. Do Arsenal have the depth in their squad to um, rival someone like City? I think in certain areas we do. I think in midfield we're quite light. Um, if Thomas Partey gets injured, we... Yeah, we're not looking good in there. I mean, Lukonga's a talented young player, but he's not hes not Thomas Partey. Um, someone like Granit Xhaka has been an absolute revelation this season, playing a lot further forward. Yeah. Um, and he seems to be an ever-present, doesn't tend to get injured. But I think the big one, really, there's two really. It's, it's Ramsdale in goal. Our backup goalkeeper, Matt Turner, is, does not look good in the Europa League. Um, <laughs> I've never heard of him. Yeah, he's so the US men's national team goalkeeper. He is not a good keeper. And if Gabby Jesus up front goes down... Um, I have faith in Eddie Nketiah but obviously Eddie Nketiah is not the player Gabriel Jesus is yeah. and this, this unshackled Gabriel Jesus looks yeah, looks like a top player in world football Yeah. the question I've got is just do you think uh, with the World Cup coming up obviously there's gonna that's going to throw a huge thing that we've probably never ever seen in football before do you think in that second half of the season there'll probably be just across all teams a lot more academy players coming through because teams look to try and bolster up their teams because there'll be injuries tiredness yeah no I, I do I would agree with that I think um, 
clubs like Arsenal, Chelsea, um, who do have at like, Cobham's a world class academy, the same as Helen we saw with even even Enwineri the other day becoming the youngest ever player in the Premier League at 15 years of age. I think these clubs with the big academies and the bigger budgets are going to kick on in the second half of the season. But I say a club like Brighton who have less. Uh, international players going away to the World Cup could be a dark horse mm. in the second half of the season when they get that month break a month to spend uh, recuperating and training with a new manager I think they could be really dangerous after the World Cup I do think I would predict that it would be the biggest, busiest January transfer window of all time I yeah. think this January is going to be more like a summer window and I think you'll see a lot of big players move in this window um, as clubs get desperate you never know stars might get injured at the World Cup or new stars arise there's always that World Cup hype um, if you remember Hamas Rodriguez in 2014 he went to Real Madrid and transfers like that I think will happen in January and it'll be interesting to see what the dynamic of the league is like after after the World Cup that's quite a nice segue into my next question uh, Mr Morris I was going to ask the boys so obviously it's really hard to get overly hyped I guess about this World Cup because obviously we're in the middle of the football season one of the nice things normally about a World Cup is that it's you know there's at least a month's break after the season going into it but we've got to have one eye on it and I and England squad has not been announced, right? Am I right yet? No. Who, who can, can, does anyone want to put forward any sort of dark horse names beyond the obvious? Who they would be uh, tip, uh, sort of uh, backing for, for, for to get a place on the plane? I mean, it's not really a dark horse, but after yeah, I think it was yes, two days ago, yesterday, Madison's performance yeah, against uh, Nottingham Forest. I yeah. think it was just that's what England need. Creative, is a creativity, big fan, isn't yeah. He? creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben White, I mean, is he someone who should be getting a look in? I think so, definitely when the likes of Connor Cody and Harry Maguire are still getting in the squad. Um, ben White's ability to play right back at such a high level as he's currently showing, but also last season was one of England's best centre-backs in the league as well. And that ability to play both positions in a World Club squad can't be overlooked. Um, and then moving forward, I, I would, it might be a controversial opinion with the Chelsea fan in the room, but if on current form... If I had to pick one of Madison or Mount, I think I would take Madison. Um, no disrespect to Mason Mount, but he's not playing the football he was playing a couple of years ago. At the moment. I think Madison has to be in that squad over Mason Mount. At the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. But what, my first thing, my dark horse would be Fakayo Tomori. Absolutely, I think he yeah, has definitely. to be in that squad. But I've got a big bone to pick with uh, Southgate, and that is the fact that he's picked his World Cup squad that he's used every single time during these Nation League games. I don't know why he's wha- not whacked uh, Ben White and Tomori in the centre-back during these Nation League games, see how they play in these internationals that aren't very relevant and um, see how they hold up. Put Madison in, see how he plays in the international for hold-up um, rather than going to the usual Mason Mount or you know uh, uh, Sterling when you could save these guys because you know what they can do. Put, put them on in for the World Cup but why not try Madison why not try tomorrow yeah and I think often you know we've, we've spoken about this already on this show don't we that that, that managers sometimes do have their their favourite um, and that's fair enough so just for that World Cup for those of you because it is creeping up on us um, a little bit a little bit Jenny at the moment our opening game is against Iran on November the 21st we then play uh, the USA on the 25th uh, and then finally Wales on the 29th of November I mean that is going to be a massive game you'd think though really I mean looking at that we should get out of that group 
<laughs> yeah, I've yeah. got I've got people shaking their heads at me. That worries me. I, I, mean, no, I feel I feel like there are no excuses. We have to get out of there. <laughs> have to. I honestly cannot see us getting out of that group. I think um, USA will have a sh- honestly a, a hand on heart. I think with our current form. USA will have a shock win against us and oh, Wales gosh. will dig dig deep and somehow pull one up against us. Well, Wales, yeah, I mean, I imagine Hugh will be watching that and being the one annoying person in Shaftesbury House <laughs> cheering on Bale and his crew as they, they, they sort of <laughs> seek to get a one over the old enemy. Mr Morris, do you have a final word? or? Um, I, I do see England getting out of that group. I mean... Um, I don't think we'll do as well as people have thought in this World Cup. I think with it being in Qatar, the climate, I do believe a team coming from a warmer climate will perform better in this World Cup. I can see Brazil going a long way in this World Cup. Isn't that 100 minutes, the game? Now? They've got water breaks built in, I yeah, think. So, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that climate may pay, might put a dent in our chances. But I think if England do perform to their potential and Southgate does play four at the back and actually pick our form players, I think we've got... As much of a good chance as most teams, I think only the likes of France and Brazil probably post a better squad than us in terms of depth. But um, I think the manager quality may let us down in this World Cup. Okay, so thank you very much, Ollie and George, for joining us uh, to talk all things football. We're going to be, well, Mr. Morris, uh, myself and Hugh are actually going to be talking briefly about preparations for another World Cup that's also uh, sneaking up on us. And that is, of course, uh, the 2020 uh, Cricket World Cup. Hugh, have you been, uh, well, actually, I'll leave you to play the intro. Have Have you been following much of our recent 2020 action? Have you been following the series against Pakistan? Yeah, I've been watching bits and bobs of that series against Pakistan and yeah it's supposed to be good stuff coming out of that 4-3 winners it felt like it felt like it went on for ages I mean it sort of started at the end of the England summer and then and then it was only just finished right what were the what were the do do you remember any performances from that stand out particularly from you for you I think Phil Salt and Alex Hales um, both well they've not been stand out but throughout the whole series the seven match series I think they've both played six games and they've both really put their hand up to be selected in that opening spot alongside Josh Butler and moving down the batting order yeah and the people coming in Harry, Harry Brook and Ben Duckett have looked um, really good at the um, in the middle order yeah, I mean, and that's that's the battle. That's the real battle that they're going to have to fight out because obviously, I mean, you say, um, did you did you say to open alongside Joss Butler? Or, yeah, Joss Butler yeah. will be back fit for um, yeah. the World Cup. But then, I mean, you have to fit in. I mean, I guess Stoke somewhere, and a report's coming out that they reckon Stoke is going to bat four. Yeah, I think that's what Matthew Mott said post match um, the other day when when the series ended. Which to me makes seems to make a lot of sense. I mean, I feel like in twenty twenty. <laughs> If you bat like Ben Stokes, I mean, a, a sort of proper batsman who does have a very aggressive game, you've kind of got to bat up the order because he, he's the sort of player that actually does need a couple of balls just to get his eye in. I don't know what you think about that, Mr. Morris. Yeah, I think four is probably the perfect position for Ben Stokes in, in our T20 side. You've got explosive players around him like Butler and if Hales opens your, opens up the top or Phil Salt, um, you've got explosive enough players around him to, to actually make Ben Stokes look more like a proper player than a, than a power player. But... Um, I think we're talking about squad depth in the football section and I don't think there's probably a deeper squad in world sport than England's T20 T20 batting lineup. you got, like we said, Ben Duckett, Harry Brook, David Milan, um, just to name a few on top of your likes of 
Butler and unfortunately Johnny Bairstow we saw those pictures yeah. this week of injury yeah, yeah. Bairstow that's one person who won't be featuring unfortunately a horrible injury to Bairstow seemingly it happened on a golf course I mean but these things happen you know he's had an incredibly successful year um, and and uh, um unfortunately suffered this freak accident yeah so for those listeners who aren't filled in on this we won't have Bairstow for the World Cup um, but as Mr Morris said thankfully we are blessed with an absolute wealth of resources uh, in the in the batting unit bowling wise how are we looking there I mean one thing that stood out for me in that Pakistan series I watched a, I can't remember which game it was but I watched Mark Wood bowl a spell of serious heat uh, you know clocking 95 96 miles per hour and I think for in particular in and well, as much as in any format, having someone who can bowl genuine wheels in 2020 is really useful. Yeah, England are starting to build more and more um, pace bowlers. We discussed it on the show before. England needs speed, and they've now got Luke Wood and Richard Gleeson who've come into the side over the summer in the Pakistan series, and also I think Timur Mills is a travelling reserve. Oh, really? Which is which is really exciting for any England players. He's been injured quite a lot of his career he's probably spent more time in rehab than he has actually playing cricket but um, that speed is something that uh, we're really going to need throughout the World Cup and also um, the left arm angle on, on the likes of Gleeson, Wood, Mills there's just so much depth we could probably play a a whole eleven well, we, of left-handers and left-armers. Yeah, and we've we've done this in the past, haven't we? We've fielded basically second teams against people and absolutely and absolutely thrashed them. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of again kind of because it was bookended against the England summer, forgotten. But actually, to go to Pakistan and beat them in a white ball series. Uh, um, in probably the toughest conditions for an England player is a really good achievement and that sort of thing in the past would have been considered a massive achievement it's just the fact that we, we've got so used to this England white ball side just showing up and delivering I mean it seems odd but we're they're off to Australia this weekend they're playing uh, a three-matched T20 series uh, starting on Sunday um, so three games in a row Sunday uh, uh, um, I'm not sure they're not at the big grounds I think they're going basically around the north yeah, they're World Cup warm-ups. Yeah, so they're World Cup... Um, uh, I think so, it's Perth on Sunday. Yeah, OK, so Perth on Sunday. Um, uh, then uh, on we're playing them on Wednesday and on Friday. Um, so that, you know, they'll be a fantastic opposition. They themselves, we talk about d- deep squads. I mean, they themselves are, are, are looking like getting some good depth as well. Reigning World Cup champions. Reigning World well, Cup so. champions, never to be underestimated. Um, in um, in 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 uh, tournament format. Okay, we'll look forward to talking more about cricket probably when we get back from half term because by then the World Cup will be well underway and we'll, we will be backing England all the way. I imagine. In fact, we'll be we'll be in the in the uh, knockout stages by then. Um, no, we won't. We'll be we'll be we'll be still in the Super Twelve. But. Yeah, so we look forward to talking more about that. We're going to play a quick song, and when we're done with that, we're going to be talking some F1 with our regular uh, pundits, uh, Alfie and Ben, Bry Radio Legends, uh, one and all.
so welcome back to the final segment of the Bry Radio 14-hour birthday marathon. Wow. Uh, the final, the final six minutes, and well, kind of fitting that we're we're joined by two real stalwarts of Bry Radio, uh, Ben and Alfie, who probably on some of the earliest shows, both for Sports Talk and more widely, um, uh, and of course, regular listeners to this show will know them as our resident F1 uh, pundits and analysts. So, boys, talk me through what's been going on recently in the world of F1. What are uh, the big stories? So, we've recently had the Singapore Grand Prix. Okay. It was very interesting. It was delayed an hour, I think. Uh, yeah, an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Um, due to rain. Yeah, so that was a wet race. Um, meaning you, you went... During wet races, you get to see different sides of drivers. You get to see the ones which can... Like, which you wouldn't really realise there. They can really, like... What's it? They can. They're incredible in the rain compared to other drivers. So drivers who struggled a bit, who we wouldn't expect. Let's say Max Verstappen. I think he finished P seven. Uh, uh, he's not. Well, he didn't have a very good pole because no. he ran out of fuel. Oh. <laughs> That's not very good. But then yeah. we got to see the incredible Perez run the race. Um, who's an incredible, incredible driver. He can race in the rain. He it's can deal with fuel. Go. Um, he's incredible with fuel. Um, he's just, I think he's overall, he's one of the best overall drivers I would put him to. And then we had uh, both Ferraris, P2 and P3, which is better than where they have been recently. I think Ferrari hasn't, Ferrari needs to, Ferrari was a great car at the start of the season because we're getting towards the end of the season now. Ferrari was a great car at the start. Everyone thought, oh yeah, Charles is going to win going to get the world title and then he's just slowly been fading and fading away and I think he is actually the best driver on the grid as much as I love Max um, yeah uh, he, it's sad to see I think it's just engine issues I think they've had issues in uh, like with all the mechanics and all strategists. of that strategists I, it's sad but it was exciting to see Ferrari fighting though at the top because last season they weren't where they were no. supposed to be where they are meant to be. It's Ferrari, the best team they're meant to be. What F1 is. Yeah, no, exactly. I feel like they're a very household name. It's like them and Mercedes is the one that everybody knows. Yeah. we got the very exciting Japanese Grand Prix coming up next. Mm-hmm. Um, what are my predictions? I think uh, Max, I, Max will be back up at the top. How many? I think he needs to get another win mm-hmm. or a win and then a P3 to actually win the world, world title to guarantee he'll get it which will be incredible to see Max again he didn't really deserve it last year some may say he did some may say yeah exactly um, but people compete with he'll actually one. deserve it this year which mm-hmm. would be good to see yeah exactly and it seems like his competition with Hamilton um, he's on track to have his worst season in the history of his career and he's been doing F1 since about 2008 and how bad is that by Hamilton as I mean has he won Races and um, for those yeah. of us who, who are real <laughs> F1 noobs, um, so yeah, he's had some um, wins, but he's had more podiums. So like, he's been mm. in second or third a lot more than he's been first. Yeah, um, and especially at the start of the season, he was nowhere close to first. Um, and now he's kind. Of, it's kind of like if you could put it into a graph, it's lots of ups and downs. Yeah, um, so fluctuating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically. No, exactly. But then a lot of that. Um, I don't know if you can put it up to the car anymore. But they had a lot of something called porpoising okay. at the start of the season. So it's when the car bounces up and down, and they were really struggling to get it under control. This meant that uh, uh, Mercedes was not a; it didn't have a, a, a 
Titan World Champion car, which is sad, but they've it's it's been annoying seeing them up at the top and absolutely destroying for so long that it's actually quite nice to see other teams up mm. there for the fight and uh, the Mercedes car just has no chance this season. Like I, it, it was quite obvious at the start that it wasn't going to be a world championship yeah. car. I feel like it's now more of a fight for seconds between them and Ferrari. Yeah, I think that's very true as yeah. well, but then I still think... I, I think Ferrari still has a better car. Um, oh, no. And better drivers. Lewis is not what he used to be. He's not his young self. He's not... Yeah. He's, it's sad to say, but he is getting old. And when everyone thinks of F1, most people will go straight to, oh my God, Lewis Hamilton. Who do you support? Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Why? Oh, I don't know. It's just my favourite driver. I think he's fit or something. <laughs> yeah. But um, he's not. He's not F1 anymore. It's not. He is, but he isn't. He's. No. He's incredible. But yeah. Um, as much as I like him, it'll be time for someone new soon to take centre stage in the world of F1. <laughs> Who would you tip? Are you backing for Stappen to be that person? No, Charles. I've it's I've gone back and forth. <laughs> yeah, you but have. I, I really have. So last, I think last time I said oh, probably Max is the best driver, but no, Charles is. Mm-hmm. And he's as much as I love Max, Charles is will be good to see him as the next Lewis. Yeah, I feel like it might be a bit harder for him though, Charles. Um, I feel like we're looking deep into the future. I think Russell. Mm, I don't know. He needs to prove himself a bit more. Yeah. No, but I think he's done a good job of that this season, you know. They went from a Williams to a Mercedes, and now we're seeing him very high in the podiums most of the time. Yeah, that's true. And boys, will the will the will the teams have one eye on next season now, or yet, or or? Yes, um, yeah, they definitely will. Um, I think the FIA will be uh, releasing what uh, cars will be. They'll be like saying what the new technology will be in the cars is what I'm trying to say and then you will be seeing soonish what the new cars will look like hopefully well thank you for that boys I'm just very conscious that we've we've set a very clear time finish for today because it has of course been uh, Bry Radio's big uh, first anniversary we set out to do uh, 14 hours on air and we have indeed done that the clock has just ticked round uh, to 9 o'clock uh, and I hope we to our listeners we provided uh, a very fitting ending uh, with our flagship uh, sports talk show um, that is a roundabout all from us tonight, uh, people. Um, uh, uh, I look forward to talking, to, speaking to you after half term. Uh, thank you very much for all our pundits. Thank you to Hugh for being an amazing uh, producer today. Thank you to Ben and Alfie uh, for doing their their many shows that they've done, uh, and Mr. Morris, of course, for providing his expert words of wisdom. Uh, the girls talking netball were fantastic. We had great reviews of rugby. Um, so just a great all round show, and I hope you've all enjoyed. Listening uh, to the Bry Radio first anniversary birthday bonanza. That's all from me, uh, your presenter, Dr. Pullen. Uh, have a lovely half term when it comes around, and we at Sports Talk team uh, will be coming to your air- airways uh, after that. That's all for now. Goodbye. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.